How is the Internet of Things creating a better healthcare environment for clients and their families and their providers? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're pleased to be speaking with Mark Seggers. Mark is Chief Sales Officer at Healthio, and they've done a, a real deep dive into the study of what's new in IoT devices around the healthcare metrics. And, you know, there's a lot of boomers, and as a cohort, we all include myself, don't want to have to go outside of our home for care. We want to be connected. We want to take advantage of all of these devices. And what Mark and his company have done is done a real in-depth study of how that works, and they're starting to bring some solutions to market. And so we we asked Mark on the program to talk about what's going on from an industry perspective, and then maybe a couple little unique things that they're doing. So with that, welcome, Mark. Well, thank you very much, David. It's a pleasure to be on board. Thank you. So you said something off the air about how you characterize healthcare today, and maybe that's a really good starting point. I'll let you tell that story. All right, great. Well, everyone kind of knows there's there's problems right now in healthcare in the United States. And the problems are, are numerous, and but I think the, the solution is it, it starts with something quite simple. You know, the problems I, I think we all know about is, is healthcare these days in the United States is really sick care. Too many people wait until they've, they've got a, a serious problem. And almost half of expenses, healthcare expenses in the United States are incurred at the emergency room or the, or the urgent care. And so... That, that's a bit of a shame because obviously that's a, it's a lot more expensive. And by the time they, they go in, they have a, a very expensive condition. Over 80% of medical costs are spent uh, managing chronic conditions as opposed to wellness and, and monitoring people's health as we go. Healthcare tends to be episodic and, and not continuous. That is, it physicians see you once in a while, you know, an average of about two hours per year. And they don't really know anything that's happening with their with their patients all those other hours. So, but meanwhile, we're we're our healthcare in the United States is the most expensive in the world, and you know it's seventeen percent of all consumer spending gross, and it's expected to get to I think is twenty percent by twenty twenty. So it's it's really a lot of what we spend in the U.S. It's the most expensive in the world. But yet, we lag behind in, in many measures, life expectancy, infant mortality, things like that. And so it's expensive. And also, there's enormous wait times. We wait two to three weeks for appointments. 
there's 64 minutes average waiting time reading kind of old magazines in the in the waiting room you know and then the appointments themselves after all that waiting are only an average of about 20 minutes long you've got the doctor sitting there you know looking at some things that maybe they're reading for the first time reacquainting themselves with you or maybe you changed doctors and now they're trying to figure out who you are as well as listening to your conditions and then throwing out a very quick idea of what needs to happen. The problem really is is a shortage of doctors. is going to be about 90,000 short by the year 2025. Average age is 52, so they're aging out. There's just not enough money allocated uh, to, and, and a lot of it's spent by Medicare to allow the the, you know, the grads, med- medical school graduates to, to, to learn in the hospitals. Uh, there's just not enough uh, doctors coming in. So, yeah, I mean, th- these are all the problems. And I, I think that the answer really needs to focus on the person and focus on the consumer's need to really take control of their own health care, to learn more about health care, and also to build in their support network. To leverage their family, their employer, their physician, uh, and their peer groups as well. And to learn about and take control over their own health. That's, I think, the key. We, we talk a lot. Of, let's go back to this, the, 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 the beginning of, our, of, of your explanation, because I think you, you hit on a lot of good points. I'd like to explore a few of them in more detail. The first thing is that when patients only see their doctor a couple of times a year for a very brief period of time, and the reason for that is a whole other podcast, and we've talked to some folks about that. We'll continue to talk about it. You said that what happens is that the physicians really don't know what's going on with the patient between those visits. And so how can physicians change their practice or how can patients change what they're doing so that that data is continually fed to their physicians or their providers? Right, right. That's a great, that's a great question. Well, I think I think part of the problem is is that we are so reliant upon the paternal healthcare industry and waiting for to see the physician for them to tell us what's wrong based on the measurements that they give while we're there. And we don't realize that a lot of this is really in our hands if we just want to take it. These devices are readily available. I mean, my company Healthio offers a suite of devices for example, and we're one of many solutions out there. And where a consumer gets a host of devices, they can be either connected through Bluetooth, as ours are, so any smartphone, or they might might have a dedicated hub in their home that they connect to. In any case, the person is able to track their own metrics, their own healthcare metrics, and of course, then turn to their physician then to help with interpretation. Or they can go on the web and learn about all the numbers, you know, where, where they may fall in reasonable range and where they may uh, be an outlier and where it may point to some sort of condition. And then they can, of course, then manage that over time. Things like weight, obviously, but also resting pulse, blood pressure, pulse pulse oxygen level, you know, even glucose, even EC, ECG. Are, are, these are all things that people can measure in their own home. So is all of this, are, are there physicians where all of this telemetry is sent to them real time, or is that a different model? You mean sent from the, the, the patient to the physician? Correct. Yes, we have a model, and there's many models out there again. What we do is we employ people to help that consumer take control of their, their fitness. As we know, as, as human beings, we're, 
we're all kind of lazy and, and I'm the same way. The problem with a lot of the Fitbit type solutions is a couple of things. Number one, you know, people try it. It's cool. They learn generally what's going on and then they, you know, put it in the drawer and they forget about it. And, but I, I really think that health numbers are really more about the, the more, more than just counting steps. I think people need to realize that all of the parameters of their health, their blood pressure, resting pulse, their weight, you know, all those things have to be measured on a, on a, on a regular basis. And secondly, they need help. People need help in, in not being so lazy. People, we need to invite people who care about us. Like, for instance, you think about an elderly person in their home, and it's, it's very worrisome. In fact, the founders of our company created our solution because their parents were overseas, very expensive, and to go visit them and just make sure that they're taking care of themselves. But, you know, with, with our, our devices or, you know, obviously many other devices in the market, they can actually monitor how their elderly parents are doing because those, those measurements are being sent to them regularly. They can see when the numbers are over certain thresholds or under certain thresholds or when mom is not taking her medication possibly or dad is not having any activity or not not measuring their 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 uh, their stats, so we believe the family element is is huge for support and for keeping people motivated to manage their own health, and also of course peer to peer is is another way to stay connected. The competition we've all had the weight weight loss challenges between between uh, peers, but also patients who have the same conditions or same comorbid uh, can, uh, combination of conditions, can share things over the internet. There, there's many new forums that allow them to do that. Now, finally, getting around to your question, uh, my point was it's not just about the physician, but getting around to your question, the patient can also invite their provider, whether that be a physical doctor at a primary care office or a telehealth provider. They can actually invite them to receive these measurements and choose which measurements they wish to share. And then their provider sees those measurements on a regular basis. So do, do patients, the people who are using these devices, have kind of a, a dashboard, an internet dashboard? Is that is that how the data gets posted and collected so that providers or loved ones can share in the data? Yes. Well, our, our solution has a dashboard on the smart device, You know, whether it be an iPhone or an Android device. We have an iOS app and an Android app. And the app sort of gives that person a home. The devices all connect via Bluetooth, and the person can look at their history. And it also reminds them and shoots notifications out to their wristband. It reminds them when to take their medication. Hey, it's time for your, your, your pulse reading now. Uh, it's, time, it's time to take your weekly blood pressure reading. It, it sort of manages the whole thing. And from that app, they can also invite people, what we call health advocates, to join the experience. And then those health advocates see exactly the measures that that person wishes to share. And those advocates can be parents, they can be concerned sons or daughters across the country, they can be a provider, either telehealth or primary care, or, or what have you. So it's really up to that patient. In fact, it can even be their 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 employer. There, they might there might be a weight loss contest, and let's say that the employer recommends a, a certain solution. The employees can share their their weight with an administrator at their employer. And now a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. 
The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing healthcare costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. So beyond peace of mind and that sense of community, which is critically important, I don't want to downplay that at all, is it too early industry-wide to be asking the question about what measurements there have been, what, what kind of improvements there are that are quantifiable? Is it too early? Well, I, I, I think, it, you know, we, we need to start now. <laughs> so, you know, the question of whether it's too early is, it, it, it's really hard to say. It's, it's, you know, every day is another day later. Well, too early, I meant in sense of the industry and where, and where the technology and the industry is at. I mean, are there measurements out there today? Measurements in terms of what exactly? I'm sorry, Dave. Health, health improvements. What's the efficacy of, of having all of this technology beyond peace of mind and the ability to connect? Right. Well, the, the importance of the technology is, is to really improve one's health and take control of their own health measurements, recognizing that, you know, the doctors are, you know, becoming in shorter and shorter supply. It's harder and harder to get to a doctor. I think, you know, in the past, uh, there was that just the vast knowledge difference between uh, the average doctor and the average person. People really haven't had access to information about health. And as time goes on, technology has shown us so much that information is readily available now, and it really becomes a combination of knowing more about ourselves and then combining it with what we learn and, and about conditions and what we learn from peers with those same conditions. So, you know, there, there's no better time to start now. I think use of technology is what's new. And, you know, using technology to help us take control so that we we have better outcomes and I, and I think it's really all about you know they 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 call it the i the IHI calls it the triple aim which is you know better health which you mentioned well-being david and I think that's a great great word better experience overall so healthcare isn't such a you know, drag. <laughs> Literally waiting forever for the doctor and then waiting forever once you get there and then just having a bad experience with it's too quick and there's so many things you want to explain. There's no time, low input, and it's episodic. They don't know anything about all those times between ep- between meeting with them. And and also then finally the third thing, we number one, better health, number two, better experience. Number three would be the low per capita cost. We've got to do something about the costs of healthcare. You know, as I mentioned, seventeen uh, percent of GDP, and half of that being emergency related. We've got to do better than that, and so it has to start with the patient. It just has to. So, is it early? Yes, it is. But you know, when we talk about is it too early to see if this works, I, I think 
common sense tells us it does work. It has to work. We see generally that with people, human beings, when we measure something, just the act of measuring it, strangely, tends to improve that measurement. People met, you know, just write down their weight every day. And I, I read a study that uh, where they where they took a bunch of people and they had them just write down their weight every single day. And just the act of measuring it actually, for some reason, caused them to lose weight. Just the awareness of the metric, strangely, sometimes causes the improvements. So, you know, when we look at early results, we have to ask two things. Number one, what were the results in terms of ROI? You know, what did they gain? What did they gain through the experience? But number two, and I think this is the most important, did they do it right? Two-thirds of all employers offer wellness programs these days. Two-thirds. Yet, I read one estimate, only about 7 to 10% do it right. They're doing it the wrong way. Maybe they, they give them an apple in a, in a pamphlet. <laughs> and they say, you know, we care about our employees. Hey, everybody, you know, here are some things you can do. You know, exercise more and, you know, lose weight, you know, things like that. But it's not, it, it, it's not specific. It's not measured. You know, you've heard these smart, smart goals, specific, measured, attainable, etc. They have to do the program right. They have to verify it. There has to be accessible, practical programs. It has to be trust-based. We have to see the CEOs doing the same thing as everybody on the floor. They have to have healthy food in the cafeteria, not just fried stuff. It has to be have integrity, this, this program, and so that trust is built. And again, about well-being. It's not just about exercising. It's about promoting a work-life balance and helping people be healthier and supporting through management, supporting that concept, letting people work out during work hours if they make it up or, you know, helping people have put in uh, health, health devices in the break room, having bikes and, you know, having a workout facility or having an arrangement with a local health club. And then, of course, the health screenings and education. Finally, though, I think where a lot of these programs have fallen short is the lack of the, the three R's, recognition, rewards, reinforcement. And you could also add a fourth one saying repeat because <laughs> it's, you know, people are all human beings. We like to be recognized. We like to get rewards for those for that other than just, you know, I, the, obviously the reward of health itself and then have that reinforced through the, through the company. I'm, I'm curious. We've got a couple of minutes left, and I'm interested to, to see if your research and, and your implementations single out any particular cohort. Is this, is this, as I alluded to in the open, something that's being driven more from the boomers, or is it across a wide range? Or Where do you see concentrations? Well, we see concentrations in the more obvious areas because a lot of the wellness programs have been done incorrectly. A lot of people have sort of lost, lost a little faith in the, the employer wellness programs, and I think that's a shame because I think done right, they, they can do a lot. And we've seen it when it is done right, they do a lot. You know, so I think there's been a focus in the obvious areas of managing chronic conditions and, uh, you know, weight loss, heart disease, diabetes, things like this, and which are great. And, and I think, you know, if we focus on the, the low hanging fruit, we can drive results and then carry it over to wider populations and take a more proactive approach to wellness. In the minute or so that we have left, we oftentimes like to ask our guests, and we'll ask you, where do you see the future? What's the next step of this? What's 2.0? How does it grow? What does it look like? The future is, again, about the person, the individual person. It has to start with us. 
we've we've got to realize that you know the importance of understanding our own health and when you think about how people are are motivated people are generally motivated by positive immediate and certain rewards that happen every single time they do a behavior that's that's how we we work that's why you know slot machines are are so are so famous and and, and why we spend all our money doing things that are we get rewards for whether they're every time or even even random like a slot machine we like getting rewarded so you know i i think it really has to start it really has to start there and it really has to start with the person and then their support network well you know it you have a choice between working out or having a piece of chocolate cake People will choose the chocolate cake because it's now and it's immediate. But we need help to work out regularly. We need rewards, points from our employer, possibly points-based systems, or even attaboys from a peer. We need our family involved to make sure that we're doing what we need to. We need our physician as well. And we need to educate ourselves on, on what's going on in our bodies. So it's the democratization of healthcare data. It's a great place to leave our discussion for today. Mark Seggers, Chief Sales Officer at Healthio. Mark, thank you for sharing your expertise with our audience today. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved. 